0: Situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. Heart we used heart attack. Please. Managers on a Major League Baseball team don't make decisions! No, 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 no. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the German Bob Pro Harbor? The castration of the Major League Baseball managers, we know it. Ask me about my win. Going on, everybody, another edition of the Ball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. One of my favorite times of year, as we get into right now, the MLB predictions and previews of the Ball Show, something that I'm happy to say that I've done for the last 11 years. I haven't had the best of luck, but it's an optimistic time where, as a baseball fan, every baseball fan, feels like their team has a legitimate shot to make the postseason, certainly now when the amount of playoff teams has increased from 10 to 12 and will be going forward. And, you know, just to enjoy the start of baseball, which next week around this time, the whole sport's going to be getting going. And obviously my predictions over the last several years, listen, some have hit, some haven't. Um, I've kept kind of a similar theme, so I think there's a lot of, of people that are upset with that. They don't like my narrative, the couple things that I continue to throw out there each way, and I've said it before when it comes to the teams that insist on trying to find different ways to build strong, competitive baseball teams by not compensating those players and not adding to those compensated players I really don't believe it's going to lead to a World Series championship. And I think that's something that I've stuck to. It's one of those hills that I believe that I will kind of stand on the top of until I'm dragged down from. But we're going to get into it real quick. Going down from 30 to 1. And anybody who is not familiar with my 30 to 1 MLB Countdown previews, I'm not going to get as much in depth with it as I have in previous years. But I'm going to try to use a, the formula that has worked for me. The 30th team is the team that I believe is going to be the worst in baseball, the team that has the most to improve upon. Um, and I'm going to try to spend a little bit talking about each team, tr- probably trying not to get over 40 minutes when it comes total to the entirety of this operation here. So first team we're going to talk about is the team that I believe is going to be in the worst spot Um, they got a long way to go, but I do think there is some promise. And I'm talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates, a team that I believe will lose over 100 games this coming season. Top prospect O'Neal Cruz, I think, is somebody that should be looked at. He's the starting shortstop of the future for the Pirates. He's going to be starting the season in AAA. I know Key Brian Hayes is there. Brian Reynolds is over there playing center field. Uh, Remember, they had Josh Bell a couple years ago. They traded him away is a team that kind of got back into a playoff type of mentality with the likes of Andrew McCutcheon and Starling Marte. I like the direction they're going in. I think Ben Charrington has a plan. I think the Pirates at some point are going to get better. I just don't think it's going to be this season. I got them 60 and 102 finishing last place in the National League Central. So as I slide to the next worst team, this is a team that I don't believe is getting any better. And I'm a little I'm a little bothered by it because I don't think baseball is set for teams to intentionally not make the appropriate efforts that are needed. And I have such a problem with the Baltimore Orioles and general manager Mike Elias and the construction of their roster at this point. How many years are the Baltimore Orioles going to go out there and just not compete? I don't mind struggling. I don't mind teams having a bad season or two or three. But this is coming from the top the effort is not being put into by the front office to make this team any better and to have any plans to get any better. A player like Trey Mancini should be celebrated for everything he has brought to the game, obviously everything he's battled getting through cancer. and you know, He should be an Oriole for life. I don't know if he's going to be an Oriole by the end of the season because I don't think this team has any plans on wanting to have a competitive team. Now, they have one of the the best-kept prospects in all baseball. You know, Adley Rushman, who should be up at the major leagues this year, producing at, hopefully, uh, top prospect level. John Means threw a no-hitter last year. They have some talent there. The problem is, is I don't think they've done enough from a front office and team-building standpoint. And I really do think they need to go in a different direction. This may be a time to bring in a Ben Sherrington type, who I believe in Pittsburgh. I believe in his mindset and the fact that he cares enough about baseball and wants to to field a winning team. He's not going to leave the Pirates to go to the Orioles, but find somebody that gives a shit. Because I don't think Mike Elias, as the general manager of the Baltimore Orioles, gives a shit. So we move on to team number 28. Speaking of giving a shit, you talk about the Cincinnati Reds, and the Reds had a lot to root for over the last couple of years. This was a team that looked like it was built to win. And I think there's, there was some promise going into this season. The Reds, for some reason, probably coming down from ownership within the front office, decided that you know, they don't have the money to compensate their players. And this is what baseball is kind of falling into. And this, to me, is the biggest issue, the biggest um, separation between the owners and the players. Centers around competition, where the owners care, care more about com- coming up with a profit and turning their business into a success, then they give the slightest shit about winning. And it's not any more evident than looking at the Cincinnati Reds. And yes, I look at it right now, and I'm not rooting for the Cincinnati Reds. No issue I have with the organization. I'm a big P. Rose fan. I love the Red Machine and Joe Morgan and Tony Perez and the guys of the 70s. I think the 1919 Cincinnati Reds were... Probably the most disrespected World Series champion in the history of the sport. You know, Ed Roush and, and, and those guys who were, were known as the World Series champions because the other team lost and not because they won. The 1990 team with Chris Sabo and, you know, talk about how great of a player Eric Davis could have been, you know, had he not, you know, battled the certain injuries that he had to deal with. I'm a fan of the Reds as an organization. I hate what they've done here. Now you think, hey, dumping off some players, maybe getting a little bit better of a minor league system. They, they could go to a retool as opposed to a rebuild. Uh, certainly isn't making Joey Votto happy, I'll tell you that. A Hall of Famer, a player that has busted his ass, ha- has has managed to stay not only, not only on the field, but I think in a position where he progressively has gotten better after you thought he was hitting a little bit of a decline. 938 OPS last year, hit 266. Listen, I get it. Joey Vado's probably not a 300 hitter anymore. Almost drove in 100 runs. You know, they had some offense around them with you as Ennio Suarez, Nick Castellanos, Jesse Winkler. All three of those players are gone. Jonathan India went into rookie of the year. To me, this was a team that you were supposed to build upon, not subtract from. And the Reds did a bad job. Now, Luis Castillo's hurt, probably a valuable trade chip for them. Tyler Miley, uh had 210 strikeouts last year. They let Wade Miley walk. Amir Garrett, who wasn't really that good for them, is probably more noted for being a hothead and wanting to fight people and you know celebrate a strikeout, which I don't have any issue doing. But that all takes the precedence over pitching at a high level. And he might be better off in Kansas City. The Reds, I got them finishing 66-96, and fourth place in the National League Central. Team number 27. I look at a team that is on a relatively lengthy rebuild and probably one that you could start to question whether it's taking a little bit of a long time. And you know what? Maybe they get a little bit of a pass because of how bad the Baltimore Orioles rebuild has been. The Kansas City Royals brought back Zach Greinke. Bobby Witt Jr., it's probably going to be up in the major leagues pretty soon. Uh, this is a good, young team that I think could create some issues for some of its opponents, particularly in the American League Central. I look at the AL Central, and I think it's going to be a little more competitive than it gets credit for. It was one of the worst divisions in baseball over the last couple years, especially with the Twins being bad last year. Um, if you're asking me what I think can help this team, like I said, you're looking at Nicky Lopez, who was very good last year, Witt Merrifield, um, Hunter Dozier, Carlos Santana had a horrible season last year. And then obviously their top prospect, Bobby Witt Jr. If he's playing shortstop at an elite level and hitting, then maybe this team could surprise some people. And a lot of the issue comes to how weak is this division? If this division is as weak as you think it is, I disagree. I think the division's going to be more competitive. So I think the Royals are clearly ranked as the worst team in division. That's why I have them at 68 and 94, fifth place, last place in a national and I'm sorry, the American League Central. Team number 26 is a team that I thought tried to do a little bit of a retool this offseason. I don't think it was enough. And when it comes down to it, you start to really rank the teams up against each other and the off-seasons that they've had. And I think there is some upside for the Washington Nationals, and I think it certainly could be centered around um, Steven Strasburg being back on the mound and making 25-plus starts, pitching at the level that he did back in 2019, which obviously, you know, he led the team to a World Series championship and hasn't been the same since. I I, I feel like the Nationals' bullpen Is going to have a hard time, particularly when you're talking about offense that's going to exist in the cities of Atlanta and Philadelphia. And it's going to be tough for me to expect very much out of this Washington Nationals team. Now, I don't think they went full, you know, Tug Speedman as simple jack in regards to the rebuild. They retooled it. They decided at the end of or at the trading deadline last year that they weren't in a position to compete that year started trading off as many players as they can, and they've got a little bit of depth in their their rotation, particularly with Stroudsburg and Corbin if they're healthy. A bold move going out there, getting a bona fide designated hitter in Nelson Cruz, who you you know if he's on the field, he's going to hit 35 to 40 home runs. Victor Robles, I think at some point you're going to start to see if he's really the prospect that the Nationals and their fans thought he would be. And then you got, in my opinion, the game's best player right now, Juan Soto. And I think it's hard to say that a team like the Nationals with the game's best player is going to be as bad as I think they're going to be. A lot of it's going to be the competitive nature of the National League East. I really think the other four teams in that division are better than them. And when it comes down to it, look at the Nationals playing out the stretch of the 2021 season. There wasn't a lot of talent on the roster, and they certainly played like it in the months of August and September. I would expect if things don't go right right away, I think the Nationals will be moving some players. Maybe it's a Patrick Corbin. Maybe it's a Nelson Cruz. And, you know, just try to get younger. Maybe not go full-scale rebuild, but I think they're going to be in a position where uh, they're going to be focused more on 2023 than 2022. Nelson Cruz, a little bit of a Monet, a little bit of a Mirage, to maybe make the fans believe a little more in this team than is worth it. So I got the Nationals 69-93, and fifth place in the National League Eastern Division. Team number 25, we're going to go with a team that, listen, they're they're kind of the darlings of baseball. Going back to the movie Moneyball, Billy Bean, there's always going to be some sort of belief in this team. And, Listen, I've cried wolf a bunch of times when I've spoken about the Oakland Athletics and the fact that for a franchise that is so proud, two people that are probably rolling around in their graves, Connie Mack and Charles Finley, over the lack of effort for this team to put itself over the top. Mack, yes, was known a little bit as a penny pincher, but when his team was winning, he had his foot on the gas. Same thing you could say about Charlie Finley in the mid-70s. Now, listen, you're talking about different times. You're talking about reserve clauses. You're talking about the fact that free agency really ended up um, kicking Charlie Finley out of baseball. Not intentionally, but forcing Charlie Finley to decide he didn't want to be the owner of the Oakland Athletics at a Major League Baseball team anymore. Listen, money ball, I think, is one of the most overrated things in baseball. And I've fought people with this. I'm willing to keep this battle going. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of my take. I'm not afraid of my stance. But my issue with it is it never seems to produce a winner. The closest thing to it, Tampa Bay Rays of a couple years ago, getting there in the 2020 truncated COVID-shortened Major League Baseball season. They got to the World Series. They lost a tough series to the Dodgers, a series that they could have won. And you know what? had to raise one, I'd be eating crow right now. And I'd be saying a moneyball team can win a World Series Championship. What the Oakland Athletics have proven is that if you stay away from committing to your big time players, if you stay away from a commitment to paying players what they're worth and adding to teams that are ready to win a World Series Championship, you can get to the playoffs year in and year out. I think there's some talent here. I don't think this is an awful team. But I think this is a team that's going to have a tough season in 2022. You can make a case that the Mariners have gotten better. You can make a case that the Rangers have gotten better. You can make a case even that the Angels have gotten a little bit better. I feel like the A's have gotten a lot worse. A lot of the players that they've gotten as prospects in these last couple trades, you know, JT again. You're not going to see it at the major league level this year. A couple of the other prospects they got are probably another year away. If they're not debuting this year, they may be debuting sometime next year. So I got the A's sitting there, 70-92, and 92 last place, American League West division. Moving on to team number 24 is another team that I think has a lot of promise. And I think they're going to be judged based off of the division that they're in. The American League Central is always going to be known as a winnable division because there's no bona fide star outside of the White Sox. The White Sox are ways above the talent of the rest of the team in its respective division. Now, it doesn't mean it's not going to be competitive, but if I'm believing in a couple teams to do well, it's going to come at the expense of a team that isn't going to do so well. And that's why I'm going to talk about the Cleveland Indians for a moment or two. This is a team that always seems to pitch. I think Shane Bieber, Aaron Savali, you know, Emmanuel Klaes, even a you know, resurgence of Anthony goes as a late-inning reliever. I think they're going to be able to get some people out. And if you, if you talk about the Indians in a way that they're surprising or hanging in there this year, it's going to be over the strength of their pitching. I think this is a team that probably needed to add, even if it was on a one-year deal, another offensive middle-of-the-order bat, just to compete. And I get it. You know, you want to see some of the younger players. And you've heard uh, Mike Chernoff, the general manager of the Cleveland Indians, talk about the importance of letting some of the younger players play. At some point, you're going to have to make a call on some of these guys. And a lot of them haven't really answered the bell. And you look at guys like Josh Naylor and Bradley Zimmer and Oscar Mercado, Miles Straw, who they got in the trade last year with the Astros for Phil Maton, Andres Jimenez. You're talking about a lot of younger players who have gotten the chance to play and haven't really answered the bell yet. Um, Interested in the fact that they're at least open to talking about an extension with Jose Ramirez. I think this is a player that you build a team around. This isn't a team you let walk in free agency. This isn't a team that you trade at the trading deadline to try to get a couple other younger players. Uh, I think there's a lot of promise there. And one of the things I've said, and I've said this every year, I've done my, my countdown predictions and previews, I believe there's a lot of upside in the majority of teams in baseball. And when I'm talking about the 24th team as we speak right now, it's not a matter of me not believing in the Indians. I think there's upside, but I think there's enough talent where this team can go out there. They could be a 500 team. I think they could compete for a playoff spot, but they need a lot of things to go right. They need some identity in their offense. The players that I just mentioned need to contribute at a much bigger level than they have over the last couple seasons. So I got the Indians 74 and 88, fourth place in the AL Central. Moving on to number 23, this is a team that I, I don't think was anywhere near as bad as they looked last year. The Arizona Diamondbacks basically went 0-17 and 17 after Bob Brenly made his racist comment when it came to Mark, Marcus Stroman wearing a do-rag and Tom Seaver would never wear a do-rag and you know, basically making it about the appearance of Marcus Stroman and that's why he couldn't be a good pitcher, which absolutely 100% unequivocally is racially motivated. And, listen, karma got him. You know, the, the gods looked back and said, hey, you know, Bob Brentley may not have meant it that way, but it wasn't the right thing to say. The, the Diamondbacks are a little bit better of a baseball team than we saw last year when they lost well over 100 games. They got themselves the number one draft pick. Um, they're going to be centered around Cattell Marte for the next several years. And I think that's good. I think it's a good look for them. Good look for a team that, yes, has to rebuild a little bit. But has enough Major League talent to be able to compete. Merrill Kelly, Zach Gallen, you still got Mad Bum on your team. And I know he didn't pitch that well last year. Ian Kennedy's back. I think they could compete. They could beat some teams in their division. Luke Weaver, whom they got in the Paul Goldschmidt trade from the Cardinals. Carson Kelly. I think there's talent here. I think this is a team that's going to be judged as just a bad baseball team because of their record last year. I got them finishing 74 and 88, fifth place in the National League West, but certainly a market improvement over last year. Moving on to number 22, I got the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Tampa Bay Rays, every year, are probably that player or two away from you getting behind. Because there's a lot of things about what the Tampa Bay Rays do as an organization that you, you should love, you should enjoy as a baseball fan. Wander Franco has a chance to be one of the best young players in a game of baseball. Randy Arosarena was the Rookie of the Year award winner. Um, you look at some of their pitching. Kind of a lot of guys that don't get the, the respect that others throughout baseball do. They have a, the ability to pitch themselves through a game. This is a team that can use an opener. They could use a spot starter. They could go to bullpen games. And they could do it all very well. I like the addition of Corey Kluber, who I think adds some veteran leadership to that squad. And if he could go out there and make 28 to 30 starts, I I think that gives them somebody that they could rely on every time he grabs the ball to go out there and go six innings and give themselves a legitimate chance to win. I I, I believe the pot's running a little dry. I think a lot of their pitchers over the last couple of years have been a little bit overworked from having to rely so much on the opener and the bullpen games. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, there's nothing that really jumps out at me. I know they do a lot of good things with platoon splits. I think Brandon Lau is a good player. You know how I feel about Wander Franco. Um, you know Kevin Kiermaier is going to catch the ball in center field, but uh, doesn't bring a lot to the plate as an offensive player. Manuel Margot. Austin Meadows, Brett Phillips, you know all those guys are going to work themselves in and out. Harold Ramirez, I thought, was a shrewd pickup um, in a trade with the Cleveland Indians. Listen, this is a team that's going to give the Yankees a hard time. They're going to beat the Orioles. They're going to compete with the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. And it's not like I'm totally shitting on the Tampa Bay Rays. I just think this is going to be a down year. I think this is going to be a year where they're going to evaluate where they are. What young players are they going to invest in? You know Franco is going to be here for the long term. The long term extension that he signed to. I got the Rays at 78 and 84. Fourth place in the American League East. The Colorado Rockies. I got them at number 21. Same record. 78 and 84. Um, a lot of people are kind of looking in pause at their major signing when they went out there and they gave all that money to Chris Bryant. Listen. Chris Bryant is probably the perfect player to play his home games at Coors Field in Colorado. Is he going to hit 40, 50 home runs? All he's looking to do is lift the ball in the air. Remember, that's his expression. That's the thing that he said about his philosophy and approach at the plate. I'm looking to hit four fly balls each day. One of them, hopefully, is going to go over the fence. I think he's going to be able to do that. I think the Rockies very quietly have an okay roster. Um, Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, two players that I don't know if they really ever got to buy in to what they were looking to do. The front office, yes, it's been in tatters. You know, it hasn't been. Excuse me, it hasn't been run for, right for a while from the owner on down. Um, I think there's. I think talent ends up playing out. And if they could get anything out of Kyle Freeland, if they could get anything out of Austin Gomber. Uh, Herman Marquez is a top starting pitcher. Antonio Sentenzella is probably solid number two. If they could get any sort of pitching, I think they could push to be a 500. They got good leadership with Bud Black there. Um, Jose Iglesias isn't going to hit for power. C.J. Crone I think, is a, a, a player that's going to be able to produce. He's going to hit 20, 30 home runs. They have enough talent on this roster Ryan McMahon is uh, the infielder that they, they just signed to a new extension. Charlie Blackman is probably on the, the downside of his career, but they made a move for Randall Grichick. I, I think this is a team that could win some games against the Dodgers and the Giants and the Padres. Not enough to be a playoff team, but I got them 78-84, fourth place in the NL West. Moving on to the top 20 now. I'm going with the Chicago Cubs. And I think the Cubs, for a team that had a lot of issues when it came to deciding what they wanted to do with their roster last year, they said, you know what, we're going to move on from Bryant and Rizzo and Baez and move on from as many players as we can. But the the difference between them and the Washington Nationals, I feel like it was less of a ruse, less of a cunning attempt to trick the fan when it comes to the thought of the Cubs competing this year. I think they really meant it. I don't think the Nationals really meant it. I think they wanted to throw Nelson Cruz out there with the return of Steven Strasburg and say, hey, we're only a couple of years removed from a World Series championship. Come out and support us. I don't think the Nationals look at themselves in the, in the mirror as a championship caliber team, a playoff contending team. I think the Cubs believe they are. And that some of the moves they've made in the offseason have kind of led you to believe in it a little bit. Uh, obviously, Marcus Stroman and Wayne Wayne Miley in their rotation added to Kyle Hendricks. Drew Smiley had a good year with the Atlanta Braves last year. So I think they have a little bit of depth in a rotation, in addition to other pitchers that I think are going to help them. Gib- Michael Givens, I think, was a very good signing to kind of fortified a back end of the bullpen. David Robertson coming back from injury. Listen, a team that's rebuilding isn't going to believe enough in David Robertson to give him a major league contract. So Wilson Contreras, they signed they traded for Jan Gomes, so they really have two catchers that are very good from a defensive standpoint, not neither of whom you'd want to put in as your everyday DH. Could Contreras get traded? Sure. He probably represents the biggest chip that they have if they wanted to go full tank mode. But I think there's a lot of talent there. I like the trade they made last year with the White Sox when they got Nick Madrigal to play second base. I know he was hurt last year. Frank Schwindel looked good for them. Andrelton Simmons, you know he's going to catch the ball from a defensive standpoint. Jonathan VR, Clint Frazier, who they ended up adding after the Yankees gave up on him. There's enough talent here to expect the Cubs to be a little more competitive than one might think. I got them 79 third place in the National League Central. Number 19, the Texas Rangers. You now You may say, wow, you, you don't have a lot of belief in the Texas Rangers. The Rangers won the offseason, perhaps, by you know getting themselves a half-a-billion-dollar middle infield for Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. My issue with the Rangers is I look at their pitching and I know there's going to be a lot of competition in their division and they're going to need to get some of their opponents out. The Mariners could hit. The Astros could hit even without Carlos Correa. The Angels could hit. you got to be able to get somebody out. I like Spencer Howard. I think he's going to fortify himself in a rotation this year. I obviously like some of the moves that they made, whether it's Getting John Gray, who I think is going to be happy to not be pitching in Coors Field. Dane Dunning, who they got from the White Sox in the Lance Lynn trade. Kobe Allard, who they got from the Braves in a deal with them. Uh, there's a lot of hope, but there isn't a lot of proof in the pudding in regards to the track records that you have in regards to these pitchers. I think the Rangers are going to be able to hit the ball, sure. In a hitter's ballpark, Mitch Garber is going to have his year as a catcher. you got Adolis Garcia. Who was probably the most underrated player in baseball last year? And like I said, you got Seeger, you got Simeon in the middle, middle, of the lineup, Nate Lau at first base. Doesn't really even matter who you play at third at this point, but there, there's some good options. Willie Calhoun, Cole Calhoun, you got the Calhoun brothers who are you know of mixed race. I think they're gonna be able to help this team. I got no issue with this team hitting. In a competitive division, I have a hard time believing in the Rangers. I think they're better than they are last year, but I got them 80-82, and fourth place American League West division. Number 18, I'm looking at the Miami Marlins, and I think the Marlins have got themselves up to a point where they're starting to wake up and have finally gotten themselves out of the cellar of the National League East. You could talk about maybe the fool or the trickery that was involved in a 2020 pandemic-shortened season when they had the second-best record in the National League and got themselves to the playoffs. I think they were aggressive this offseason, maybe not as aggressive as as departing owner Derek Jeter would want them to be. Maybe Nick Castellanos would have been a a better fit for this roster and where they're at. But I like some of the things they did. I like Ivesio Garcia. I like Jorge Soler. I think you're talking about two fortified bats that are going to – Add a little strength to a lineup that has some depth. Jazz Chisholm, uh, Miguel Rojas, Jesus Aguiar, who, who's been a power hitter for a series of years. And we know about the Marlins pitching. The Marlins have some very good young pitchers, led, of course, by the extended um, pitcher that they ended up adding, Sandy Alcantara from the Cardinals. They got him in a trade when they dealt Marzelo Ozuna. He's their mm-hmm. best pitcher. Um, I like some of the other depth that they have in the rotation. Eliezer Hernandez, Jesus Lazardo, Pablo Lopez. I think they're all pitchers that should have some hope in them. Trevor Rogers, really, over time, along with Sixto Sancho, says, is expected to be really the number two starter there. And I think they got good leadership. Don Manningly is a great baseball guy, certainly somebody worth rooting for. I got the Marlins. Fourth place in the NL East, 81-81. and 81. Moving on to number 17, I got the Minnesota Twins. And the Twins had kind of an interesting offseason. One that started by the moves at the trading deadline they made last year, dealing star pitcher Jose Barrios. And pretty much was a penalty for that team just not performing to expectations. And to be disappointed in the Twins, I think, would be an understatement. I think there was a lot to be expected out of them last year. They turned a bad start into a bad season. And I think you you start to look at this team a little bit differently, pretty similar to the way they were looked at last year. They were looked at last year as a competing team, a team that could win a division, a team that no doubt should be in the mix for a wild card spot. Now, because of one season, automatically we're looking at them in the exact opposite way. Now, what do I believe the Minnesota Twins are? Um, they brought in Gary Sanchez. They brought in Gio Urshela in a deal with the Yankees when they dealt Josh Donaldson and a newly acquired Isaiah Kiner-Falefa to you know from to the Yankees. Of course, Mitch Garver dealt to the Texas Rangers to get Kiner-Falefa and allowed his trade to be made. Yes, the focus is going to be on the younger players. Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, Alex Kirilov pretty much set them in regards to the outfield. Miguel Sano is always a wild card, a guy that you know could hit. And you know what? They got one of the prize jewels of the offseason, Carlos Correa. And to me, I don't believe Carlos Correa was the needle mover that a lot of other people make it out to be. I still think this is going to be a competitive team. I felt it before. Carlos Correa, one of the things the Twins have created with this deal, no-no trade clause. So pretty much they could deal Correa to whoever they want if things don't go well this year. Now there's a little bit of an expectation of, hey, at the very least, you're going to be competitive. If not, you know Correa and probably some other players are going to be on the move. I think this is a team that should be able to compete. I like the Sunny Gray trade. Um, Kenta Maeda was so good for them a couple of years ago, and it's a shame that he's hurt. Hopefully he gets back and can contribute at some level. Uh, you know, I certainly root for a guy like Chris Archer who's had some troubles over the last couple years. In the end, I got the Twins third place in the AL Central at 82 and 80. Number 16. This is going to be another surprising pick that I don't have this team in the playoffs, and that's the St. Louis Cardinals. And I think this is just a. Uh, this kind of comes down to the fact that there is so much talent in baseball. And I think so many teams are in very good positions to win. You could talk about this as a changing of the guard type of year. Uh, Yadier Molina is going to retire at the end of the year. They brought back Albert Pujols. He's going to retire at the end of the year. I don't know if that's going to force Adam Wainwright out the door. He's going to go year by year. I believe that Wainwright, if he could perform at a high level as a pitcher, will probably come back next year. You know the Cardinals and what they what they did with the five Gold Glove Award winners from last year. The good young players that they have in the mix of their lineup already. They're not in a spot where they're going to be rebuilding anytime soon. And this is such a well-run organization. A team that has not had back-to-back losing seasons since 1958 and 1959. Uh, and, and there's a reason for that. They're just so well-run. They got their hot corners with Arenado and Goldschmidt. But you look at guys like Tommy Edmond, Paul DeYoung's coming off of a bad season, Juan Yepes, who there's a lot of belief in him, but you don't really necessarily have a spot for him. Maybe he's your DH. I don't know. But Dylan Carlson, Lars Newpar, Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Corey Dickerson. You got some depth. I think if this team went out there and won, won 92 games this year, it wouldn't shock you. You know, what would shock me, it would shock me if they won 80 games. It would shock me if they they ended up landing under 500 at any point. I'm actually believing in the lower part of the St. Louis Cardinals. That's why I got them 82-80, and 80, second place in the National League Central. Moving on to number 15 is another team that made the playoffs last year. And a team that won the most games of any team in Major League Baseball. A team that a lot of people didn't believe very much in coming into the season. I believe the San Francisco Giants were going to be better than the experts thought. I didn't think they were winning 107 games. And you look at the construction of their roster, you know they're a well-run organization. Farhan Zaidi has done a great job with identifying players there and putting the appropriate type of players in the best position to win. Gabe Kapler, I'm a huge Gabe Kapler fan. I loved him when he was the manager of the Phillies. I'm happy that he's has enjoyed the success he's had with the san francisco giants especially last year you're going to be up against a lot of competition not just in the nl west but throughout all major league baseball Um, i think the giants are due for a disappointment a lot of things worked out well a lot of players played towards the apex of their ability you know brandon belt brandon crawford evan Longoria. You know, you're talking about players that as they're getting older they're expected to depreciate a little more than they have. They didn't do that last year. their pitching held up. They didn't deal with many major injuries. Chris Bryant you know ended up really not even being ne- that much needed as that, that team had enough help and depth to get themselves through any of the issues they got. I got them 83 and 79 third place in the NL West. As we get towards the other non-playoff teams, number 14, I'm going with the Boston Red Sox. Obviously, Boston Red Sox fans are going to be pissed off at me. Obviously, they're not going to be happy that I have them on the outside looking in, but I have them at 84 wins. You know, the next team that ha- that has one more win in the American League is a playoff team. So I got them right on that line. You know, that Mendoza line per se. They can make the playoffs, they cannot make the playoffs. Trevor Story is a, you know, kind of that namesake deal that they made to make the fans happy. Their lineup is already pretty strong. JD Martinez coming back and opting in to the rest of his contract was huge for them. Uh, You know, Xander Bogart, Rafael Devers, uh, Kike Hernandez. uh, There's a ton of depth there. Alex Verdugo became a, a star player last year. I think from an offensive standpoint, this team could compete with anybody. My issue is coming down to the starting rotation. And the issue that that I have outside of Chris Sale, what what are we doing? You know, the fact that the Red Sox, I'm having a hard time believing that this team could get as many hitters out in a division like the American League East, which we know is centered with so much power. I love Chris Sale. And I think Chris Sale could be back at the level that he was at before. But you look at some of the moves that they made this offseason for pitchers. They're not very inspiring. Michael Walker, Rich Hill, James Paxton, who you know we don't know if he's going to pitch. If if so, when is he going to be on the mound? I like the Jake Diekman signing. I think from a bullpen standpoint, they're going to be able to be solid. Nate Evaldi is a solid number two, assuming that he's healthy. Tanner Howick. You know, is pretty much their number three starter. I just think if you if you're going pound by pound, I think their pitching is is gonna hold them back a little bit. And if I'm gonna talk about a reason why the Red Sox just miss out on the playoffs, it's gonna be because of that. But perhaps you know, you look at some of the top prospects they have in there, uh, their their farm system: a Jaron Duran, a Jeter Downs. You know, Maybe they could use them to get that top of the rotation type of pitcher to go right there with Chris South and Nate Evaldi in the second half of the year. A lot's going to have to do with the performance of the Boston Red Sox at the beginning of the year. If they perform like they did at the beginning of last year, then I think there's going to be enough belief, not just from the fans, not just from those that cover the team, but from the front office and ownership to be able to make those last couple moves to put them over the top. I love the Trevor Story signing. I think he's going to do well in Boston. I, I think that lineup is even deeper now. I think they could compete from an offensive standpoint when anybody in baseball That's why I got them at 84 wins right on the outside looking in at third place in the American League East. The last team that's not going to make the playoffs, according to JohnPielli.com and a past ball show, is a team that was in the World Series last year. In fact, the team that had won five straight American League, you know, got to the American League Championship Series five straight years. And that, of course, is the Houston Astros. And is it all because of the loss of Carlos Correa? Is it all because maybe they didn't sign a Trevor Story? Maybe they didn't sign a Javier Baez? I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of a hangover in this team. There's a ton of talent. I think they're, down, they're up for a down season. Even though you can make a case they had one a couple years ago, Justin Verlander is going to be a huge key to this team obviously back after missing most of the last couple seasons because of Tommy John surgery. If he's back on the level of what he was when he was last pitching for the Houston Astros, when he was at his best with the Detroit Tigers, I think this team looks a little bit different. Uh, Framber Valdez I like. I like Luis Garcia. You know, Jose Urquidy is more of like a five-starter. Lance McCullers Jr., you know, he's not going to start the season on the team um, I'm not so sure about their bullpen. Hector Neris, you know, how is he going to pitch as an eighth inning guy as opposed to a closer? Ryan Presley is going to be pitching the ninth inning. You, know, you got some arms there: Blake Taylor, Ryan Stanek, um, Martin Maldonado isn't helping you very much as a hitter. I know he does a good job with the pitchers, but you know, you got Altuve, you got Bregman, you got Gurriel. Who are you going to be playing every day at shortstop? Is it Jeremy Peña? Is it Um, uh, Adelmiz Diaz I I, I just think this team Is due for a little bit of a downer But not a huge downer 84-78 Third place AL West So my playoff teams We'll start with my first shocker That's going to be number 12 The Detroit Tigers I got them making the playoffs this year I I think from a leadership standpoint I love what A.J. Hinch brings to that organization You could tell the players played their ass off for (laughs) him And the front office led by Ala kind of addressed a couple of the team's needs. They went out there and they got themselves Javier Baez. They went out there and they got themselves Eduardo Rodriguez. Maybe overpaid in both cases, but probably needed to, to get either one or both of those players to come to the Motor City while they're kind of in the middle of a rebuild. You know, Miguel Cabrera is still there. I don't think you could expect very much out of Miguel Cabrera. The question's going to be, you know, what do you get from the younger players, and how much of an impact do they have on the big squad? What are you getting out of Casey Mize? What are you getting out of Tariq Skubal? What, what about Spencer Turnbull? From an offensive standpoint, uh, Spencer Torgelson, you know, how much of an impact is he going to have? That is Cameron. Is he going to be up in the majors contributing this year? I like the depth that they have between some of their young players and a couple of the veterans. I liked that they brought back Jonathan Scope. I think this is a team that really believes it's good. The trade for Tucker Barnhart with the Cincinnati Reds. you got a team like the Reds subtracting and a team like the Tigers adding. It's always been a formula of getting the belief of John Pielli, JohnPielli.com, and a pass ball show. So I got the Tigers 85-77 and 77, turning their record from last year upside down, second place in the American League, central and postseason bound. Number 11, I got the New York Mets. Now, you could say I could believe more in the New York Mets. I'll tell you what I don't believe in when it comes to the New York Mets, their bullpen. They got some good arms, whether it's Edwin Diaz or Trevor May or uh, Seth Lugo, Miguel Castro. I, I, I like their ability at their best. Problem I have, you haven't seen a lot of their best. This is a bullpen that, over the last several years, has done nothing but blow games. I don't see a notable enough addition to the team's bullpen. And I think they're a middle-of-the-order bat away from having a fortified roster. And instead of adding that bat, which could have been Michael Conforto, who's still out there as a free agent, could have been Nick Castellanos or Kyle Schwarber, or could have been, I don't know, Chris Bryant, if the money was right. They're going to have to trade prospects to add that military order bat they're going to need at the trading deadline. And you know what that means? If, if they're not in it, if they're not leading their division, they may say pass. And it's a shame because they have kind of gone all in for a team that has the number one payroll in all of baseball, a team that's added Max Scherzer, a team that's added Starling Marte and Marcana and Eduardo Escobar. I still don't think they addressed enough of the team's needs. I think it's a good enough team to get in the playoffs. You get in the playoffs, anything can happen. 87-75, third place, and at least. Moving on to number 10, the Los Angeles Angels. And you say, what did the Los Angeles Angels do to go from being a losing team to make you think that they're a playoff team all of a sudden? I like the additions they made to their pitching staff. I like Joe Madden. I think Joe Madden has his teams, regardless of who he's managing and where he's at, year in and year out, expecting to compete. Shohei Otani, what could he do for an encore after such a good season last year winning the MVP? I, I, I've looked up and down this roster, and I think there's enough talent, especially if Joe Adele can contribute. Brandon Marsh, if he could contribute a little bit. Well, look what they got out of Jared Walsh last year. I think this is a better team than has been respected. I look at Anthony Rendon. I think he's going to bring a lot more to the table this year. Mike Trout being healthy over the course of the season. This is a team that's going to finish over 500, And because of that, I think they could be a team that could be in first place often enough to be considered and taken seriously and get Mike Trout to a second postseason appearance as a player, first time since 2014. Number 10, Angels, second place, AL West, 88 and 74. Number nine, the Philadelphia Phillies. I love what the Phillies have done offensively. I love the addition of Castellanos and Schwarber to a lineup that's got Bryce Harper and J.T. Realmuto and Reese Hoskins. And you know, you're looking at guys like Alex Bome, and not really expecting very much from them. As an offensive young player that really could blossom into a 30 home run hitter in his own right, the question with the Phillies is going to be: Do they have enough pitching? They got a Cy Young candidate in Zach Wheeler, as formidable as a, of a number one pitcher as there is in baseball anywhere. Um, Aaron Nola is going to be an interesting pitcher to watch if we're talking from a fantasy perspective. If he dips far enough in your draft, you might want to take him because I think he's a very good bounce back candidate. Zach Eflin. Uh, is probably your number three pitcher, starter at this point. Listen, I don't think the Phillies are going to impress you that much in regards to their starting pitching, but they're going to bludgeon the hell out of the baseball. I think they're going to be able to hit. I think they're going to hit home runs against guys like Max Scherzer because Scherzer gives up a lot of home runs. And I think they're going to be right in the mix. The Phillies, I got them going back to the postseason for the first time since 2011. The Phillies, number 9 at 88-74, and 74, second place in the NL Eastern Division. Number 8, the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees had a relatively quiet offseason. Big move they made, making a trade for Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kyle falifa to fortify the left side of their infield. Um, not a lot in regards to addressing their pitching staff, which I think from a depth standpoint... Um, they could have used a little bit. But I look at the fact that the Red Sox didn't do very much either. So if I'm going to knock the Red Sox for not really doing very much, I don't have much more to say about the Yankees other than I believe in their pitching staff a little bit more. Garrett Cole is a number one even without the spider attack. I could count on him for more this season than I can count out of Chris Sale. If you're a Yankee fan, you got to love the fact that Luis Severino is back, settling in there as your number two starter. Outside of that, there's going to be a lot of questions. Jameson Tyon is a guy that Brian Cashman loves. He'll probably be your number three pitcher. You look at some of the other options, yeah, they're going to need somebody to emerge. They're going to need Jordan Montgomery to perform. Maybe they perfect the use of the opener or a spot start or a bullpen game Stuff like that. The Yankees' bullpen, as opposed to past seasons, is not on that same level. Araldus Chapman looked really good at the beginning of last year. He fell into a little bit of a hole. I don't think you're going to see much out of Zach Britton. Who really is backing up Chapman in the back of that bullpen? The, The Yankees, for the last several years, have had a very good bullpen. I don't really believe in it much this year, but I think they're going to hit. It's hard to not believe in a team that's got Anthony Rizzo and Josh Donaldson as, what, six and seven hitters maybe in a lineup that has Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton and Joey Gallo. And, uh, yeah, just so much unbelievable depth in that lineup. I think the Yankees are going to be similar to the Phillies in their ability to hit the baseball, score runs, And it's going to make up for a lack of depth when it comes to pitching. If they need to make a move at the trading deadline, they're certainly going to do that. There's no team that is better at making trades at the trading deadline as far as striking fear in their opposition when it comes to the team they're trading with, saying, we're the fucking Yankees. We get what we want because we're the fucking Yankees. So I look forward to the Yankees every year at the trading deadline, basically pulling the wool over any team that they're trading with, because those teams are afraid of trading with the Yankees. They just give them what they want. I got the Yankees second place AL East, 89 and seventy three, second place in the AL East, like I just said. Number seven, give me a little bit of the San Diego Padres. And there's a team, probably a few teams, more in turmoil. You think about Fernando Tatis. Is he mature enough to be a star player, to center a team around? Well, I think they needed... Uh, a little bit of a strong voice a little experience when it comes to the managerial chair and in one of very few instances and I think Buck Showalter for the Mets is another example of this I think the manager makes the team better in this situation bring in Bob Melvin from the Oakland Athletics I think that he's going to command a lot more respect than Jace Tingler or Andy Green or anybody else that's been kind of sitting there um not really with the experience of dealing with star Major League Baseball players, which the Padres have. You know their pitching's going to be solid. I'm ready for their, I'm, I'm really ready. I'm ready for their full-on rotation with Blake Snell, you, Darvish, Mike Clevenger, maybe even a little bit of Chris Paddock. I, I think there's, there's some depth here. Um, Nick Martinez, I think, very quietly is going to have a a good year for this Padres team. So I I think it's going to be a good season for the Padres. They're going to bounce back. I got them second place NL West, number 7 at 89 and 73. Number 6, as we're going to roll through this really quick as we're hitting the concluding points here of the Passball Show, as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. 30-1 to MLB Countdown Previews brought to you by JohnPLA.com and the Passball Show. Give me the Chicago White Sox. 89-73, 89-73, and 73. I, I I think it's a hard team to root against. They're going to need a lot to go wrong for them not to be in a, a bona fide playoff position. I, like I said, I like the Tigers and I like the Twins as far as being 500 teams or better in that division. They're going to get a little more competition this year. I don't think the Indians are horrible. I think the Royals have some promise. I think every divisional game in the AL Central is going to be a lot better and more competitive than it's been over the last couple seasons. But the White Sox, from a talent standpoint, Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Luis Robert. I I mean, I'm sorry, Luis Robert. I'm sorry, I made sure I get his friggin' name right. Eloy Jimenez. So much talent on the offensive side of the ball. Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease. Uh, Obviously, their bullpen is probably better than anybody's in baseball, led by Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell. To me, you can make a case that this is the best team in the American League, I got them falling a little bit short of that, but I certainly got them first place, AL Central. The Chicago White Sox at 89-73. and Number five, the Seattle Mariners. They're a team that has done things the right way, in my opinion. They've taken a couple years to rebuild. They've identified some good young players, and their general manager says to hell with it. We're going to go for it. We're going to make some bold moves. They made the trade with the Reds for Jesse Winkler, and you and Suarez. They made the trade for Adam Frazier. They, Ty France has emerged. J.P. Crawford's a big-time player for them. Mitch Handiger, um, Jared Kellenick, hopefully over time becomes the player they thought they that he'd be after they acquired him with the trade in the Mets. They got Julio Rodriguez, one of the top prospects in all of baseball. Robbie Ray they bring into their starting rotation, which has got the, the emerging Chris Flexen. Paul Sewald, another Met castoff, is there as their closer. I don't believe as much in him. I think I think you're, if you're talking about a pitcher that's going to struggle this year after a big year last year, I'll go with Paul Sewald. Doesn't mean that's holding the Mariners back. I got them 90 and 72, first place in the American League West. Obviously, back to the playoffs for the first time since 2001. And Scott Service will be the first manager, not named Lou Pinella, to get the Seattle Mariners into the playoffs. Number four, give me the Toronto Blue Jays. 91 and 71. I like the move they made to get Matt Chapman. I thought it was a tough loss watching Marcus Simeon go to the Texas Rangers, but the Blue Jays weren't gonna be in it. You know, they signed Berrios to the large extension, which we talked about earlier in the acquisition of from the Minnesota Twins. Kevin Gaussman adds some stability to the rotation, which you know Alex Mano is going to be a very good pitcher for them. Hun Jin Ryu, they got a couple years ago. This is as strong of a starting rotation as they have in the American League East. And I think they got some guys that could pitch in the back of the bullpen. So give me the Blue Jays ninety one and 71, first place AL East. Atlanta Braves, number three, ninety-two and seventy. Matt Olson for Freddie Freeman. Is that a wash? Maybe for those that love Freddie Freeman and those that respect Freddie Freeman as a player, you may not believe it. But I think the Braves did the right thing here. Yes, they dealt you know, Christian Pache, Shea Gears, two of their best young players to the athletics to get this deal. They got Matt Olson for two more years, two more prime years that they're going to have than they would for Freddie Freeman and a lot of what Freddie Freeman's going to get is going to be because of what he's done for them before as opposed to what he's going to do in the future. I don't think the Braves have lost the beat. I think they've, outside of bringing back Freeman, which a lot of fans don't like, uh, they've done a good job of retaining their own players, whether it's Charlie Morton, uh, Travis Darnot, extension signed before they could hit free agency. Obviously, Ozzy Albies and Austin Riley um, having Ronald Acuna for a whole season, Marzelo Zuna, say what you want about him as a person. He's going to be back in the lineup DHing. That team is a lot better. And I think the Braves are the best team in the NL East 92 and 70. Number three, Braves, first place, NL East. Number two, the Los Angeles Dodgers. They went out there and they got themselves. Freddie Freeman. Yes, they lost Corey Seeger. I don't know if anybody out there inside of a, a team that was looking to bring itself back was going to put that kind of money out to retain Corey Seager very quietly when they got Max Scherzer. They also got Trey Turner, so they got their shortstop. Max Muncy slides to second base. You got Freddie Freeman. You got Cody Bellinger. You got Mookie Betts. That's a hell of a friggin' lineup. And I can't imagine there be, too be- being too many better lineups in baseball than the Los Angeles Dodgers. Give me the Dodgers, 93-69, first place, NL West. Finally, the Milwaukee Brewers. I got them with the best record in baseball. I love the Andrew McCutcheon signing. I think he's the perfect player to really hold this all together. And even if McCutcheon is playing center field, I know there's going to be a drop-off defensively from him and Jackie Bradley. There was no player in baseball that had a worse OPS and a worse OPS, um, was worth less in, in war from an offensive standpoint than Jackie Bradley Jr. You add Hunter Renfro, by the way, two-year lineup in that same deal. Um, the Brewers pitching, nobody's going to spend any time talking about. i got a lot of belief in Brandon Woodruff. I think he's going to be the bona fide ace by the time this season finishes. Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns who won the Cy Young last year. you got Hader and Williams and Souter in the back of that bullpen. I, I think the Brewers are going to have a big season this year. So give me the Milwaukee Brewers, 94-68, first place, NL Central. Next show we do. On the PBS, we'll talk about postseason picks. Uh, we'll put these up in writing. Uh, I'll put them up on my blog since I gave up Twitter and social media for Lent this year. Um, this is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Iwish's Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll be back with you next week. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.